Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu. I am your host, Andrei Degeler. In today's show, we will talk about some of the most interesting funding rounds of the week and a couple of M&A deals. Later on, I will play you an interview with Alex Kayal, the head of Salesforce Venture International. Now, let us take a glimpse at this week's news. Swiss enterprise software firm NextThink has landed 180 million US dollars at a valuation of 1.1 billion US dollars. Let us welcome the fresh unicorn based in Switzerland. It has taken the company a while to get here. It was founded 17 years ago and it seemingly took a global pandemic to drive the demand for its product sufficiently. So NextThink specializes in digital employee experience management software that's commonly abbreviated as DEX. And I have to say, I have spent some time on the website of NextThing and some other companies to understand what DEX actually is, and believe me, it is not actually easy to grasp. Conceptually, any interaction between an employee and a workplace technology is part of DEX. What NextThing seemingly does, as far as I understand it, is it tracks and recognizes any issues that employees have, and then it automatically or semi-automatically reports them to the IT team. So NextThing itself currently has 700 employees and it wants to add another 200 this year. So I guess it's got more than enough money for that too. Next up, we have got one more Amazon business aggregator coming out of stealth. Branded Group, headquartered in France, has just raised 150 million US dollars and it told TechCrunch that it actually has already been quietly working on the market since mid-2020. It has supposedly already acquired 20 startups in categories including home, leisure and lifestyle across Europe, the US and Asia. In case you have missed it, the idea of aggregators like Branded Group is to acquire merchants that are selling goods on Amazon and then bring them under one umbrella and then grow the businesses professionally. We have seen a few contenders emerging in Europe over the past few months, and if you are interested in the topic, do check out our interview with Malte Horisek from Seller X, which is another player in this space, in the special episode released on uh, December 15, 2020. That's uh, a couple of months ago. The third funding round I wanted to mention today is quite a bit smaller than the other two, and I'm talking about 15 million US dollars for nothing. And yes, Nothing is indeed a UK-based company that claims that it will reinvent technology, I quote, from scratch. And then uh, it says that it also wants to, I quote again, inspire people to believe in the positive potential of technology again, the quote ends. The company's product is supposedly a consumer device, but we have no idea yet what exactly it's going to be. In total, uh, Nothing has already secured 22 million US dollars. At the time of writing, the company's website also features a countdown clock that should arrive at zero somewhere in the morning on Tuesday, 16th of February. So let's keep an eye out for this one. Now moving on, Klarna, uh, the buy now pay later company that's born in Sweden, has turned its app in Germany into a banking app. Uh, the customers from Germany can now open a bank account and get a Visa debit card, according to a report at TechCrunch. Uh, the report also tells that the goal of Klarna is to build a financial super app, in a way, uh, which would allow customers to control their financials and buy stuff all in the same place. Klarna plans also to add savings goals and savings accounts in the future to this new German app. Now let's talk about 
public listings real quick. Napster is going for an IPO in London later this month, that is February 2021. The iconic internet company will trade on the alternative investment market starting from 26th of February. Uh, this is a result of Napster being acquired recently through a reverse takeover by London-based Melody VR, which is a company that streams music performances to virtual reality headsets. Uh, Melody VR is also going to rebrand as Napster uh, this month, and the plan for the IPO itself is to raise up to 10 million pounds to fund the further expansion of this streaming business. And of course, no episode of this show can go without a mention of SPACs. A rocket internet seems to be getting itself a SPAC on the New York Stock Exchange. The shell company called Rocket Internet Growth Opportunities Corp. has filed an S1 to go public and offer 250 million US dollars worth of shares. The management team of the SPAC includes a few rocket internet managers, including Oliver Somewhere himself, the co-founder and CEO of Rocket Internet. In the filing, the SPAC states that its acquisition target has not yet been determined, and it also stated that its goal in general is to, I quote, support the disruption of outdated business models with a particular focus on marketplaces, e-commerce, enterprise SaaS, fintechs, health techs, and artificial intelligence, the code ends. I kind of find it a bit ironic, I have to say, that the news comes at the time when Rocket Internet itself is working on delisting from the Frankfurt Stock Exchange to become a public company again. Now that's it for the news part. Now let us get to the interview of the day. I am passing now the proverbial mic to Robin Wouters, our editor in conversation with Alex Kayel, the head of Salesforce Ventures International. Hey, this is Robin Wouters from Tech.io and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual by Alex Kayel. He is the head of Salesforce Ventures International. Alex, thank you for making the time to join us for the podcast. And first tell me, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to be here, Robin. How are you? I'm good. Bored out of my mind, like most people with the lockdown. But uh, I'm guessing uh, the same goes for you. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's in some ways like we've been busier than ever. So even though we're all under lockdown, uh, I, I certainly miss seeing people in person. But it's been—I uh, I just can't believe—we're almost kind of you know well well beyond halfway through Jan. That's that's the incredible thing. Yeah, yeah, we can we can be hopeful for the for the rest of the year. It starts to, I mean, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel it's flying. Yeah, exactly. And then there's some uh, with with the vaccine around the corner. Ho hopefully, as you say, we've turned uh, turned the page. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, maybe tell uh, myself and the audience what is Salesforce Ventures and what is your role exactly there. Yeah, sounds good. So I'm a partner and lead the uh, Salesforce Ventures team internationally. Uh, you know, I guess for context, Salesforce Ventures started investing back in 2009, really with a single kind of mission and focus, which is to invest in the best enterprise software companies uh, anywhere in the world. So, so I joined about six years ago to help us internationalize our efforts, you know, initially focused on kind of uh, Europe and Israel, and now increasingly with our focus on APAC as well. And so over that time, you know, we've been very active globally, we've invested uh, over two and a half billion dollars from the company's balance sheet. Uh, we've got over 270 active companies, uh, and it's been, uh, yeah, an incredible ride. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the last few months, I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, we've seen a massive acceleration. But you know, even before that, obviously, all the trends we're seeing in software and cloud has just meant we've been very fortunate to back some incredible businesses. Uh, and then over here in Europe, you know, having a kind of front row seat over the last six, seven years, it's, uh, you know, the innovation we're seeing, the quality of the companies being built, 
Uh, it's just been, uh, I've never been more bullish on the European ecosystem than I am today. And we're just super excited to be able to invest in some of these amazing companies and help them grow uh, really kind of above and beyond capital. You know, our, our focus is not just invest in great businesses and, and help them become enduring kind of transformational companies, but to really support them on that growth and uh, to be a value-add partner in a, in a kind of differentiated and different way than your traditional fund, given that we can bring the whole weight of kind of Salesforce behind the investment and, and kind of how we support uh, companies. So that's kind of the role, you know, I have here, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a team based in London uh, and really looking to invest in the best companies out here. Fantastic. Um, thanks for clearing that up. Um, you mentioned that you invest, uh, you know, I think it was almost $3 billion uh, to date uh, dollars uh, from the balance sheet. Uh, how does that work? Do you mean that Salesforce is the, sort of the only LP in the venture or, or do you have other sort of investors in the fund as well? Yeah, that's right, Robin. We invest in the company's balance sheet, uh, which has been great because it allows us to kind of do two things. One is we can be very flexible in terms of what stage of investment, uh, you know, because we're investing from the balance sheet and uh, we don't have kind of some of the typical fund constraints. What we, the way we think about the world is how can we deploy capital in the best businesses as opposed to, you know, having to kind of deploy X amount in a given year uh, or have to own, you know, Y percent of a given company. And so what that means is you, you can actually see our portfolio. We've invested from kind of Series A all, all the way to pre-IPO investments, uh, which is pretty rare. I think we're one of the few investors in Europe and, uh, you know, in the world that can kind of go that full spectrum. And it's because we have the flexibility to kind of, you know, invest from the company's balance sheet. Uh, and yeah. then the second benefit for us that we really enjoy is it just gives us that kind of really long-term perspective. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, investing from the balance sheet is a evergreen approach where, you know, you don't have a fund to kind of return back to your LPs. And, you know, if you look at how many IPOs we've had in the course of our history, you know, we've had over 20 IPOs and oftentimes we're still long-term holders of those companies well after the IPO as well. So it's exactly as you said, we're the only kind of LP, so to speak, and it all comes from the balance sheet. Great. Well, that, that's a nice luxury to have uh, to be able to invest across stages, uh, because of course in Europe things work a lot differently than they done in certain parts of Asia compared to the U.S. and Latin America, of course. So that that's a great luxury to have for sure. Um, but now that you have, or that Salesforce Venture at least has about eleven years of uh, hindsight, uh, what do you think works best? Like what? What, what does the data tell you that it's best to sort of, uh, you know, look for the, the most promising Series A companies and then just follow on uh, for as long as you can? Or or do you have more success sort of uh, looking more Series B and beyond? You know, it's interesting. It's uh, for us, the strategy and kind of what we continue to do is that we love building relationships with entrepreneurs early. I mean, I think, um, you know, the opportunity to help a company in the early parts of its history is something that we really enjoy both as investors and, and at Salesforce. Uh, and so actually one of the models that's been really successful here that we're excited about is kind of starting early and then continuing to kind of double down. It's something that we've seen across our investments. Uh, if you look at companies like Onfido, uh, you know, here in the UK or Encino in the US, you know, both of those companies we invested very early on in the development of the company's history. Uh, and then really kind of earn that relationship with the entrepreneur to invest more capital in the business and continue to grow and deploy actively. And so I think, you know, ultimately, uh, that's kind of what we aspire to do is develop those relationships in the early days and then continue to be a trusted partner for, for the entrepreneur uh, over the course of the investment. Of course, sometimes, you, you know, you kind of learn about a company later on or, or the fit makes more sense later on. And so at the same time, we don't want to kind of preclude ourselves from being able to invest in some later stage companies. You might have seen this year, for example, we invested in companies like Gong and AppFlyer at the kind of Series D and Series E. 
which are more late stage investments. And so, you know, oftentimes for one reason or another, either there isn't an opportunity or it doesn't make sense for us to invest sooner, but then we have the opportunity to kind of still come in and, uh, you know, partner. And I think from a success perspective, we, we've actually seen success across the board. I mean, I think a lot of our, you know, obviously the return kind of profiles are different as companies mature, uh, but we, 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 we've kind of been able to prove that on both sides of the equation, you know, both in the early and more growth side, uh, we're able to kind of drive tremendous value and, uh, and see success. And so what, what's exciting for me is, you know, whether you're a kind of 30 person company or, you know, a thousand person company, we can kind of provide different sets of kind of capability, if you will, for the entrepreneurs and, and have been able to help them on that journey. Great. Well, all of that makes sense. What do you do for deal flow? And I mean, specific to Europe, because, you know, a lot of that was sort of meeting people in person because it's a lot of ground to cover, uh, lots of different regions, lots of different ecosystems. Um, so how does it work within Salesforce Ventures uh, when it comes to investing in Europe? Like, how do you make sure that you don't miss out on the on the promising companies uh, across the, the block? Yeah, it's so interesting you asked that, Robin. You know, it's, I find out whenever I talk to my partners outside of Europe, I always talk about how fragmented Europe is in terms of how many geos there are here. You know, we've invested in over 15 different countries uh, in Europe. And then, as you know, you know, even within one country, you know, you go to a place like Germany and it's, it's a bunch of smaller ecosystems kind of city by city. And so, you know, I think historically that meant a lot of travel and, uh, you know, getting on planes to meet companies. I think in many ways, Zoom has really, uh, I've been incredibly surprised and amazed at how effective it is at doing, you know, kind of virtual meetings and getting to meet entrepreneurs, uh, you know, that, that we haven't met in person before. I think when this uh, pandemic first struck, we, we were all, uh, you know, kind of adjusting and trying to figure out what, what it would look like. Uh, and obviously, we had concerns about not, not being able to meet folks in person and kind of what that meant. Uh, but to be honest with you, it's, uh, it, it's been very effective. We've made a number of investments like Hopin, uh, where we actually hadn't met, uh, you know, the founders uh, in, in, in person uh, prior to the investment. Uh, and, and look, obviously that has pros and cons, but o- overall, I mean, I think what it means for companies, you know, wherever they're based is all of a sudden they have access to investors much more easily. Um, you, you know, one of the things that I think is super exciting about kind of what we've seen in Europe in the last, call it six, 12 months is it, it's kind of really, you know, the, the, the pandemic had a, a lot of negative side effects, obviously. And it's, uh, you know, obviously terrible, time for many and uh, from, from a health perspective and, you know, just personal safety and, and all, all the rest of it, it's obviously been, uh, there's been a lot of kind of uh, downsides, but equally from an entrepreneur perspective, it, it, it means if you're based in a, a remote part of the world in a, in a country that, you know, VCs typically wouldn't visit, uh, you, you, you're just a Zoom, you're a click away uh, from meeting a VC. And to me, that's super exciting because it's kind of leveled the playing field in terms of getting access to investors and you know, we've long believed here that, you know, at the end of the day, great companies can come anywhere. And, you know, globally, we've, I think, invested in over 25 different countries. And so this, in some ways, uh, facilitates that, you know, the fact that we can just click and there, I think, is kind of, if anything, accelerated that. So last year, as an example, was our most active year to date, uh, both in Europe and globally, which is pretty remarkable, just given, uh, you know, a lot of that was done virtually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hear that quite a lot about this leveling of the, the playing field. I think that's really good for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves in a sort of a post-COVID-19 world. Um, a question I had with your uh, regarding your relationship with Salesforce, uh, the company, uh, which is, of course, a quite acquisitive company uh, for a company of that size. Um, how do you 
as Salesforce Ventures relate to the M&A and the corporate development executives within Salesforce, do you typically scout for investments that you think might become a Salesforce acquisition down the line? Does it matter at all? Uh, is it part of the overall strategy of the, the corporate development? Like, How does that uh, relation function? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question, Robin. And I think it's something, you know, for we, we, we've kind of, uh, you know, when we started investing in, in, uh, in companies, our number one priority was we, we want to be uh, long-term kind of best partners of choice for the entrepreneurs. And so one, one of the things that, you know, to, in order to do that effectively, we thought long and hard about is uh, ensuring that whatever company we would invest in could, could go and have a, a successful exit, regardless of what that exit looked like. And so the starting point for us is, uh, you know, we want to invest in, you know, transformational, category-defining, enduring companies that are going to go and create really big businesses. And so that's kind of the starting point. From an M&A perspective, it's interesting, you know, we've now, because as you say, we've been doing this for, uh, you know, 11 plus years, it, it, we, we have actually quite a lot of data to, to, to look back and, and kind of see what's ended up happening. And what's interesting is we've had, you know, over 100 uh, M&A exits uh, in the course of our uh, history, which is, you know, a, a remarkable achievement in its own right. Uh, but then less than 20 of those have been to Salesforce. Uh, and so I think, you know, look, at the end of the day, like, like anything, you know, it, it, you know, companies get to know each other over long periods of time. Sometimes stars align. Uh, so you can see, for example, we invested in companies like MuleSoft and uh, Quip, which we ended up acquiring. But that, that's really not the intention. You know, it may or may not happen. And though the investment program may kind of help inform some of that M&A strategy, ultimately, the, the goal here is to help grow the ecosystem drive a lot more transformation in cloud, you know, make Salesforce kind of customers get access to a lot of this incredible technology and then be great partners for the long term. So that's kind of how we think about it. And I think, you know, for the entrepreneur, it's it's the right framing. You know, uh, I uh, I think, you know, this from kind of our previous conversations, I was an entrepreneur before becoming uh, a VC. And, you know, ultimately our job is to be in the service of the entrepreneur and to do what's best for them, right? And I think entrepreneurs have a choice in terms of who they can bring onto their cap table. And so we want to be very focused on making sure that whatever we do as an investor, as a partner, doesn't kind of in, in any way take away from their ability to create really big business and, and drive uh, an exit to, to whoever that may be, uh, w- whether that's another strategic or, or, or an M&A, uh, sorry, an IPO kind of territory as well. So that's kind of um, how it's played out. And I think you'll kind of see that kind of continue to be the case as we have more exits in the pipeline, you know, and as companies to take more kind of IPO routes as well. Uh, I, I would predict that's kind of what we'll continue to see in our portfolio. Great. Well, thanks for the clarification. Um, I'm sure that uh, most people know that in the US, uh, corporate venture capital in itself is a, a lot more prominent than, than it is in Europe. Uh, I'm guessing you see a lot of corporates looking to Salesforce Ventures uh, in Europe sort of as an example of how to set up their own their own funds. Uh, do you feel that these conversations with other corporates or what you're seeing from the market are increasing? Do you think there's going to be a lot more corporate venture capital sort of entering the market here in Europe in, in the future? So it's interesting, you know, I think the way we think about it is actually is we're very fortunate, I think, to be at Salesforce and to do what we do, because I think in reality, my view on this is, you know, the scale and kind of success we've had on the program just makes it very hard. You know, there's a, there's a unique set of kind of dynamics and competencies at Salesforce that has made what we've done such a successful part of the growth. And it has a lot to do, I think, with kind of the growth in cloud that obviously Salesforce has kind of been defining for the last 20 plus years. It has to do a lot with the entrepreneurial kind of DNA, you know, that we have in the business, whether it's, you know, the fact that we're still founder led by Mark, who's founder and CEO, 
or just the incredible plethora of entrepreneurs that are in the business uh, and a pretty unique kind of ecosystem that gives it makes Salesforce a real platform for companies to kind of integrate and partner with. So I think there's a lot of ingredients here that uh, at Salesforce from the kind of when we think about you know ultimately kind of when we discuss internally and when we discuss entrepreneurs, we we kind of don't think of ourselves as kind of a corporate VC in its kind of in pure terms because you know that can mean so many different things to so many different people. I think how we think about it is we want to be the best kind of investor and and, and help our customers get access to these amazing technologies and create a win-win. Um, so I think that's a pretty rare kind of situation because of those dynamics that we have at, at Salesforce and the opportunity to kind of create that sort of packaging for the entrepreneur. I do think, as you say, you know, uh, there's there's been more interest, I think, in innovation and in startups generally uh, over the past five, 10 years. And, and that's taken a lot of different forms, whether it's accelerators, whether it's incubators, whether it's other CVC outfits. I think, um, you, you know, the advice we always give is is to really try to figure out you know, how you can support the companies you're going to invest and kind of what the objectives are and, and really try to figure out, uh, you know, long-term kind of what that looks like for you. Because for every company, that's going to be different. And I can't comment for the others, but certainly for us, it's 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 a lot, you know, I think we have a lot of uniqueness to kind of what's made um, the, the program here so successful. And I think if you look at the caliber of companies that we've invested in, it kind of speaks to that. So, we, we kind of, you know, think of ourselves as, you know, yes, we're 100% backed by Salesforce and we love that. That's, that's that kind of relationship that we can, you know, post-investment really drive. But I think at the same time, uh, you know, from an investment perspective, we kind of benchmark ourselves uh, from a portfolio and returns perspective against kind of the typical tier one value mm-hmm. investors uh, when it comes to kind of thinking about who our, you know, investor peers are. Very interesting. Uh, and if you look at Europe, because you're now about you know six years in, the world has changed uh, quite a bit since you joined Salesforce Ventures. Uh, in Europe, uh, that's the same. I mean, you, you mentioned in the beginning that you're bullish on the European innovation ecosystems. I don't think you're the only one. But if I had to force your, your hand, which I am doing, uh, what are some of the negative things about Europe? What are some of the things that you think might block uh, its uh, ongoing maturation or slow it down? So I think to answer that, let me first kind of articulate some of the, what I've seen uh, in terms of why I'm excited. And then I'll talk about, I think, where, where we can do more. Uh, I think in terms of kind of, you know, today versus even five years ago, uh, if I look at the kind of number of billion dollar companies we have here, that, that trend continues to go up to the right. Uh, if I look at, uh, you know, the, the reality is, you know, in, in Europe, you just didn't used to have kind of 10, 20, 30 billion dollar companies. And, and now if you look at companies like Adyen, like Elastic, like Anaplan, um, which was one of our portfolio companies, you see all of a sudden these kind of 10, 20, 50 billion dollar companies getting created here. And, and so I think that to me is a huge uh, achievement and accomplishment because ultimately, as you, you know, as we all know, this flywheel, it is a flywheel. It's an ecosystem. Uh, you know, it's this combination of talent, funding and success because you know when when a company scales to that level uh first of all a lot of early employees and early investors create a lot of liquidity which then gets fed back into the ecosystem there's a huge amount of talent uh development that happens uh where you know those early employees then go and start companies themselves uh, and so on and so forth right and so that flywheel really starts to take off and i think we're seeing that now in a huge way particularly by the way in enterprise and b2b right which is where we focus uh, I think as I, you know, for me, the, the kind of uh, the, the biggest area of improvement where we still have a lot to go is that that number still is on, you know, uh, I'd say kind of a relatively small number overall, right? So if you look at how many companies have been 
$20 billion companies in Europe, it's still not as big as it is in the US. And so what that means is the talent piece for me is something that we continue to kind of invest in. Uh, I see this all the time in our portfolio companies. You know, oftentimes we'll recruit, uh, you know, if you're looking for, let's say, a, a CMO that scaled the company from, let's say, 25 million of ARR to 250 million of ARR, you know, usually that list from a purely European perspective of folks that have done it in Europe is not going to be as big as it is in the US because there's less examples, right? And so oftentimes you see a lot of our teams, a lot of our portfolio companies build those parts of their business in the US where there's just a bigger talent pool or frankly, sometimes import talent, uh, you know, to, to, you know, from other parts of the world that have kind of scaled those businesses before. So I think it's kind of, we're, we're writing history as we speak here, which is exciting. You know, I think in five years time, that's going to change. Uh, if I look at, you know, our portfolio here, companies like Sneak that uh, are just scaling tremendously, you know, last valuation was 2.6 billion, just amazing kind of executive team there, incredible leadership. And so it's that kind of generation of company that when we have this conversation in five years time, a lot of those, uh, th- that list of companies where people can kind of go and learn from and build from is going to be way bigger than it is today. Great. Maybe as a final question, um, if you look at sectors, I think you're, you, you're going to have your hands full, um, you know, maintaining your focus on enterprise software and cloud-based software companies uh, in years to come. Uh, but I'm wondering more about the geographic aspect. Do you look more, you know, to the talent, for example, coming out of the, the central, eastern and southern uh, European regions uh, in the years to come? Because I personally think that that's where a lot of the innovation is going to come from. Uh, great engineers, great product people that are now sort of finally becoming really great entrepreneurs as well, which has sort of been lacking in the past. You know, geographically speaking, is that also an area that you're going to shift uh, some of your focus to? So it's interesting. I'd say, you know, uh, by the way, I mean, what's super interesting about that question is, you know, if you if you go back and, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Estonia, I think I think over uh, in the December period, they, they had just crossed their kind of fifth or sixth billion dollar company. You know, obviously, talk about Eastern Europe, uh, companies like UiPath uh, out of Romania. I mean, it, it, I think what's what's interesting is that a, a lot of these places that are, you know, creating these incredible ecosystems in, in large companies are not necessarily places you would have predicted 10 years ago. And so I think it's a challenge and an opportunity. The challenge is obviously as investors, it means we need to be relevant wherever the entrepreneurs are, uh, because, it, you know, from, from their perspective, that kind of idea generation can start anywhere. The opportunity is that obviously, if you are building a business from you know places that historically didn't have as much funding and uh, kind of a presence, then all, all of a sudden a lot of that playing field has been leveled. So I think you know for us, we'll continue. You know, we work with a lot of the early stage investors across different geographies. You know, Salesforce has a truly global presence. I mean, one of the things that gets me excited is talking about it. You know, with a company, you know, whether it's in Southern Europe, you know, investors and companies. Uh, like Capado, which started in Spain and is now really a global business with customers all over the world. For us, the single lens is not is going to be less around where the entrepreneur is based to begin with, but what the aspiration is and what kind of vision is, right? Well, if, if the entrepreneur is looking to build the best company in Southern Europe, that's not going to be interesting to us. Where we get really excited is a company that happens to, that just happens to start in kind of Southern Europe, let's say Capado, but then really just wants to be a global champion. And I think that's the opportunity today, especially in software, you know, obviously in some other business models, if you're building a, you know, on-demand food market delivery company, it's a very localized business. But in software, you have the opportunity to target customers wherever they may be and, uh, and really kind of build best in class. And so for us, that's, that's kind of the holy grail. It's let's, let's not invest in the best company in Southern Europe. Let's, let's invest in the best company that can become 
a global company and let's be part of that transformation for them and help them get access to global markets like we've done across the board. So yeah, I'm excited. I think it means we'll, we'll, we will see more uh, of these, uh, uh, you know, I think if we talk again in a couple of years, that, that count will go from 15 countries for us to, to even more. But I, I'm not quite sure yet which ones they'll be. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, well, uh, we at Techie will be watching very closely what Salesforce Ventures uh, does in the future as well. Um, Alex, thank you so much for your time today and clarifying uh, a lot of the, the, the questions that we had around uh, what you're doing at Salesforce Ventures. And best of luck in the new year. Thanks so much, Robin. Great to catch up. Stay safe. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, do subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. Also, there is always our voicemail inbox at tech.eu slash voicemail. Head over there, speak your mind, and get featured on one of our next episodes, tech.eu slash voicemail. We are always very happy to hear from you. This was Tech.eu Podcast. I am Andrew Degler and I will talk to you again next week. For now, do take care and enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.